do it. Okay, um, we are in this series right now called The Four Spiritual Disciplines. As you know, we finished Acts. I gotta ask a follow-up question. Last week, I gave you a charge uh, to take time daily to set aside to pray. I, I, you know, and I gave you just a very basic format for some who are like, man, I, I don't do that on a regular basis. And so it was this kind of like upward, this inward and outward. How did that go for you? Did I just remind you of that? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I want to encourage you guys every single week to just take one of these practices, put it into place before I add another one, and then so that you can then try to experience what these disciplines do in your life and how they change your life. And uh, that one in particular, you will watch what God does in your life when you engage him every single day. But for today, it will be a different practice. And we're going into a few different ones. After this, next week, we're going to be talking about study and in, in, in the, in the practice and the discipline of being a, a student of the Word. And then after that, we'll finish with the most difficult one, which is fasting, which you all want to do. I should have done fasting just like right at the beginning of the year. You know what I mean? When everybody's like, it's time, you know? So, but we're gonna get to it. It, it, it is incredible if you've never fasted before. If uh, food, obviously being, I would say, the most difficult, or even maybe fasting your phone time. Okay, maybe that was more difficult than the food. I don't know, but maybe just taking that time. So I'm excited about those. For this message, I was doing a ton of preparation when it, when, when it came to looking at where we're at as a culture. You know, it's interesting because when you read the amount of time and the amount of effort Americans in, in, in our, more than any Western uh, 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 country, uh, Westernized country, more, more than most places, we work a tremendous amount. We focus about earning money at, a, at, a, at a, really an insane rate. Not that that's bad, but there's a drive to work more and more and more and more and more. And we could find ourselves even just working almost in some cases for people seven days a week. I have a friend of mine who works seven days a week. And it's hard for me because in his mind, he is very, very driven in any day that he passes up on being able to make a deal or to further his company more. He, to him, I think it's like, why would I lose the money? And we're in this constant discussion about that for him, about what that's maybe going to do to him long term. And, and I think a lot of us will struggle with the ability just to the time, just taking the time for ourselves, carving it out to actually step away, saying no to more what we think it will hurt us, but actually it won't. It'll actually add to your life of which Sabbath is. But I was reading all these labor stats. I was reading about the, the stress rates. I, I'm not even going to cite any of these to you. We, 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 a lot of us will feel this. Stress rates, depression, exhaustion, being a two-income family, and that pressure that that has for 70% of people. But as I was reading them all, which I usually like stats, I like the numbers, but I... I 
found myself in the comment section of these articles I was reading, and, 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 I, and I was there for hours this week, and I was starting to feel really sad as I was starting to read these comments, and they were horrible. People were telling their stories about how they don't have any time and they're trying to find time with their family and they're overwhelmed and stressed and they're financially going from paycheck to paycheck. And it was just one comment after, the, after another and it just broke my heart of just like, here, here is this kind of like, hey, we gotta wake up as a culture and make sure that we're balancing well and I'm just hearing story after story after story after story. And then I started asking, like, man, as I'm hearing people say, hey, man, I, I labor seven days a week, or I'm home for two hours, and that's about all I have to do, all the things I need to do, and spend time with my family, and it's back up, and I do it again. I thought, okay, how, how would I preach a sermon to someone who's, in, who's on that comment thread um, about Sabbath? And, and, I, and I asked, like, could it make a difference in their life if I just preached a message about stepping back in the value and the beauty of Sabbath. And then I realized absolutely, yes, yes, their lives would be different. Their circumstances may not be different. And we all have to know that. But their lives, their, their place in this world, the absolute true peace that God offers us absolutely would change their life and should change their life for the better. So let's pray. And let's seek to experience this ourselves. God, we thank you so much for your plan for us as people, but also as your children. And God, I just ask that as we study what it means to Sabbath, and we study what it means to be in rest and to experience peace, that each one in our church, God, we walk out with just a different uh, perspective about what it means to rest in you what it means to rest. So God, we love you. We thank you. You have made us beautifully and wonderfully. And God, you know how we work. You know what we need. And God, help us see what you see and how we can be in tune with the way you've made us and what you want for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled this message what I'm going to ask you to do. You can put the title up, Chad. I want you to Sabbath weekly. I want you to think about it. I want you to contemplate it. Um, scripture really brings us to deep meanings of Sabbath, which we're going to get into. But I want you to think about Sabbathing weekly. I know that we live in a culture where we're very busy, and I'm not saying like, okay, well, I've seen people who Sabbath, and they're like, we don't do anything, anything. we don't do anything, we don't see friends, we do nothing that brings us enjoyment, we just sit. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't think you know what Sabbath fully is. And then I have other people who are like, well, you know, I like watching football all day, and that brings me Sabbath, that's my Sabbath, and I'm like, well, I don't fully think you understand what... Sabbath fully is either. And so I think that when we look at Sabbath, it, it will work differently for most people, right, in a way, in which I want to point out to you, but in a way that we all should try to embrace the idea of Sabbath, um, in, in, in particular because God made Sabbath, right, for us. So my main thing was why should Sabbath matter to you? I'm hoping you walk out and you go, I get why Sabbath matters to me. It's so much bigger than just relaxing. 
It's so much bigger than just taking some time and just not working. It's so much bigger than that. But I'm going to give you two important truths that we should walk away with about Sabbath. One is going to be physical and the other is going to be spiritual. So the first truth, and you have to just embrace this, is that God invented Sabbath. God invented rest. Now, you just have to take that in for a second, that he invented it. And so if he invented it for his creation, who are we to say it doesn't work for me? I think we have to really honestly go, if you made it, God, then who am I to fight it? But I think that humans are so good at screwing up God's rhythms. Humans are so good at messing up what he's made in perfect unity. Humans are so good at actually destroying sometimes God's perfect balance. And I think when it comes to Sabbath, we think that we're capable of doing what God said we needed to do. We're capable of going, you know, God, I don't need that. That's not for me, right? I know better than God, so why would I ever need to rest? I'll rest when I'm dead. I have, I have people say that to me. I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you'll sleep when you're dead sooner than later. Yes, you will. And I think the thing is, is when, when we think that we know better than God, we will always be over our skis on this one every single time. And God made Sabbath for you and for his creation. You know, right now I go through this with my kids, and, and you'll, as you're raising your kids, if you, or if you've already raised them, you know what I'm talking about, and one day you will raise kids, and, and you will remember what I'm saying, and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's so annoying. I will tell my kids, hey, do this, don't do this, and they'll be like, yeah, 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 I know, and I'm like, no, no, you don't know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I know, and then I watch them do it in their own way, the way they want to, not the way that it was supposed to happen, and it, and it gets messed up, and then they're like, I don't know what happened, I'm like, I know what happened, let me tell you what happened, now you got 30 minutes of listening to what happened, and it's just every single time, you know, I'm going to do what I think is best against what is asked of me. And I think with God, he's created something for us. But we think as humans, we just think we're so great. We know what to do and what's better. This is a case that happens with when Jesus confront, is confronted about Sabbath or breaking the Sabbath. Many times in the Bible, a couple in particular, I'm going to read one because he makes a very important statement. But Jesus would be healing on the Sabbath and people would be upset because he's breaking the Sabbath. Now, this is someone's life being restored physically or delivered, and it's a problem because we humans take what God meant for good, and we can put rules, and we can make it actually something of freedom and make it bondage when God invented Sabbath for freedom and life. Jesus confronts what I call the Sabbath sabotage. Because here, Jesus is doing good. He is leading his disciples. He is ministering in between these two verses, healing, life, ministry. And he does, none of it's appreciated, but he does one thing that breaks the Sabbath rule that was put. And then all of a sudden, now he is, you know, deemed as someone who is breaking the law. Mark uh, 2, 23 
Uh, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as, he, as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the, and the Pharisees were saying, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you, have you never read that, uh, what David did? When he was in need and hungry, he needed those who were with him, uh, uh, sorry, he and those who were with him, and how he entered the house of God in the time of Athner, uh, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, this is Jesus, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's such a powerful statement, but the more powerful statement is what he says next. So the son of man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now this is fighting words to these Pharisees. Man, Sabbath was made for man. God created Sabbath for man. But Jesus even says above that, that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's what Jesus is saying. I was there when those words were spoken about Sabbath. Those are my words. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who created the rest for people. And, and, and I think a lot of times what we think is just like these Pharisees would do is that, that we will get involved and next thing you know, we're controlling something and something becomes a burden of what God meant to be absolutely a gift and rest. Genesis 2, if you go back and read, you will see the very first rhythm of rest. I love it that this is what's, when we look at God, obviously when God created the universe, God is infinite. God is all-powerful. But yet, the, 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 the Genesis story is written that God created it, and then on the seventh day, he actually rested, meaning that it was finished a lot like Christ on the cross. But it was a six-day six and seventh-day rest type of rhythm which was adopted to creation. And so you first see this modeling happen there, a rhythm of work and rest. Because if you have all rest and no work, how good is that for you? No! And if you have all work and no rest, you're out of balance. It doesn't work for you. Creation, I think, has a rest rhythm. And it's for everybody. And I think this is true. The over, the, the, it, it, when we overdo this or don't follow this rhythm, it it's overthrows the balance, I think, ultimately, and the fruitfulness of creation's work-rest rhythm. And it happens all the time. We see it in our life. Exodus 23, very interesting. In Exodus 23... There's this uh, call to let even the land rest every seven years. And it's funny because if you look now, we know much more about land and cultivating, that if you overwork land, it will begin to be depleted and it will not produce as it should. And so the land begins to become less fertile. And so what, there's this rhythm that we even have in our culture and our agricultural rhythms are to rest the land. And so God says, even my creation needs to rest after its work. And so they were given that command to rest. Their animals were called to rest on the seventh day and to get into that rhythm of rest. Exodus 20, Sabbath was given to God's people to rest 
those who worked for them or were servants in their house and their family and also to rest for themselves. This is very important because they came out of Egypt where they never rested. They were slaves and they labored every single day and it was out of rhythm with what God's creation ultimately was meant to be. And so God says, no, 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 no. You're going to want to do the same thing. You're going to want to work your people just as hard because it's more fruitful when you get an extra day out of them. But you need to rest them so you do not become like those tyrants. So there's a rest rhythm in creation. It's all around us. God's balance is perfect. And we have to remember we are not God. We are part of his creation. So you must follow these rhythms in your life. I think creation works and rest for sustainability. If you want to go the long haul, you're going to have to learn the work-rest rhythm. You cannot burn bright and then burn right out. That's not how God made you to do it. And you have to tell yourself, are you, ask yourself, are you above that? If God himself models rest rhythm, are you above that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good, you know. You can't believe my, my, my work ethic. It's, it, you can't believe what I'm accomplishing, but are you above that? You're not above that. We're not above that. No, we're not. And I'll give you a great, just a small little test you can do yourself. Try not to sleep for three days. Sure would love to talk to you after that. <laughs> I don't think I'd be seeing you drive. You can't defy sleep. You need it. You have to have this rest in your life. So this is just a natural thing that if you want to test the brink of what you're capable of, try not sleeping for three days. You will find your limit. It's not possible to function in the way you were made to be without rest. And so we cannot defy it when it comes to a physical work rest rhythm. And I think there are tons of benefits or God wouldn't have modeled it and God wouldn't have instituted it for his creation. Let me give you a couple for human beings. One, it curbs greed. You learn to live with less. It's partially what we, when we talk about giving, you learn to live with less and you learn to live with, to, to, to um, live in what God has given you. And you actually will grow from that and be more fruitful. You watch, you learn to not abuse the, the, the land, the culture, the people around you, you learn to rest and think of them as well. That's what a benefit will be. You learn to trust God more than yourself less when you rest and when you Sabbath. You recharge your system when you rest, and it lets your mind detox. Have you ever been on vacation? It takes you at least the first two days to just be like, I'm on vacation. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a weird thing. You actually have to detox a little bit. You have to just allow yourself to be at rest. We were out dirt biking the other day with a group, and I got up early, and I, I rarely am in a place where I don't hear any noise. And you guys were out there. It was so quiet out there. It's so peaceful out there. Like, I live in a household with six people. Never, ever is there not noise. I, I live in an area where I constantly hear things all the time. There is noise all the time. When I sleep at night, I have a fan just so I don't get woken up by the other noise that will happen. Because one of my neighbors loves to light off concussion bombs all night long once a week. 
I love this guy. It's on Saturday night. I don't know who he is, but pray for him to be saved. I don't know why he does this to me. But I just think about like there's always noise. And I got up in the morning before everybody else. I got up there and I sat and I just was like, I, lo- I, lo- I needed it. I needed to detox. I needed to be quiet. I needed to be still. I needed to be at peace. I think another reason why God has modeled this for us, it opens our eyes to see other things. When you just step back for a minute out of the grind, you get to see life in a different perspective. And I think it makes space for the unplanned things. You're just open. Everything doesn't have to be so planned. You're just kind of open. It gives you permission to say no. Oh, I I really can't do that. I'm Sabbathing. People would be like, what? It's like, like, you know, when you have kids and you don't want to go out and hang out. You're like, oh, the kids. It's It's a great excuse, right? You know what I mean? Sabbath is this. No, it puts relationships as the priority of which it should. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, it lets us engage instead of just work. And I think this, just physically what you'll feel, and no doubt when you experience and engage in Sabbath weekly, it reduces stress, it calms anxiety, it fights depression. These are all statistically proven. It cools your system down. It increases happiness. And honestly, it gives a meaning and appreciation for the work that you have done, the labor that you did put in. And so on a physical and a mental level, it stewards God's creation so well. So that's just physically and mentally. Why Sabbath is important to engage in on a weekly basis, why God modeled it in the first place, and why his creation follows the same order of a work and a rest rhythm. Do I have you sold on that? Okay. I mean, the scripture sells you on it, but the second truth I think is actually the more important truth. We have our physical rest, and these are very good. I asked a lot of people, what does Sabbath mean to you? They're like, I just, I just need to rest. They just need to relax. And I'm like, yes. Partially, yes, that's what Sabbath means. But there's a bigger element to Sabbath that I think sometimes we overlook a lot. And I think this, the second truth is that Jesus actually is the true rest. This is the part where like there's, um, I think people, I think theologically have the Sabbath maybe a little mixed up, right? I think they think true rest I think we kind of, we look for it in the physical way of Sabbath, but really there's something deeply spiritual that's happened that we really want to embrace. Jesus, when he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, it's, it's, it's for a reason why that statement is. Um, Exodus 33 is a really great chapter of the Bible. And this is a picture of Moses when he asks to see God's presence, and God's like, Moses, you don't know what you're asking for. You'll die. And Mo- this is a big concept for Moses. And so God hides him in like a little cleft in the rock, and he's like, I'm going to pass before you, I'm going to hide my presence from you, or you'll die. <laughs> I love this because what transpires from here is very interesting because God then is about ready to send Israel out to the promised land from Mount Sinai where Israel has encountered the presence of God and he's going to now go out and send them to where God has has for them. 
And it's this interesting dialogue, which Moses will have once in a while with God. And he says, okay, God even says, Moses, I'm going to send out angels ahead of you, and they will give this land to you. And he's like, oh, that's great. But then he has a but, God. And he says, but no, 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 God, that's great. That's wonderful. But like, uh, we're not going anywhere without you, your presence. I I love this. I think it's bold. I think it's powerful. And, And this actually hopefully can open our eyes to actually how important it was that Jesus actually came. So Moses is asking for his presence. We, need to, we want you with us, and we're not going anywhere without you. And God liked that. He did. He liked it. Found favor with him. And then uh, God's like, okay, that's great. And here's what God says. He says, my presence will go with you, and that will give you rest. That's what God's presence does. It gives you rest. And it's not a physical rest. This is a different kind of rest. And, but God warns him and says, listen, if I come with you, the people who are with you, they're, they're, they're sinful. Like, so Moses, remember what you saw when you got in front of me, like my presence would kill you because God and sin do not mix. And so he says, I'm going to give you this law, and you're going to have this law, and these people will take the law, and they will atone for their unrighteousness to be, at least in the surroundings of my presence. I think this is fascinating because this begins the process of God giving people a chance to be in his presence, but the people cannot be in his presence. They're not capable of doing it. But ultimately, in God's presence is rest, right? No one could do it. No one could uphold it. It was a failed mission, and it was a struggle until God sent Jesus. And you got to remember Jesus, what is Emmanuel? Jesus is God with us. And so this is God's way of bringing mankind into his presence and into his rest. And this is a great gift. Now remember, remember how desperate Moses was to be in the presence of God. And we have to remember as Christians, what you have with the presence of God is not something you should look at lightly. We shouldn't just be like, okay, cool, I'm a Christian, it's great. I get to talk to God. We're, look at how desperate Moses was and how willing all the people were to try, try to be in the presence of God, change their whole life to try to be in the presence of God. And we as Christians can't just go, yeah, it's cool, yeah, I can talk to God, it's great. What's up, dude? <laughs> I think sometimes we can forget about what it took and then ultimately what Jesus did to bring us into the presence, the rest of God. And I think this one thing we always ask, how can I be in the presence of God? How can I experience this rest? Well, as you are a believer, you have been given this rest. You've been given what no one else had. And you've been given what many people died to try to have. And that was the very presence of God in your life. Listen to Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what all of those prior could not experience. But in Christ Jesus, you experience, which is no condemnation, therefore presence with God. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death, of which they could not do. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin. He commended sin in the flesh 
or com, or sorry, condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Rest. So as, as you've accepted Christ in your life, you've, you've accepted rest. You've accepted peace, right? This is what the Israelites desired so badly and Christ came and brought. This is what Moses couldn't do, but Jesus did. His presence is your rest. His presence is your Sabbath experience. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who labor, Jesus is saying this, and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And we, we all know what that feels like. Re- remember when you came to Christ and how burdened you were, and you found rest, you found peace. The world made sense in, in that moment. Your purpose, why you're here, who you are, You're in the presence of God. All was there. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His presence is rest. And what Jesus did was free you from the endless toil to try to be righteous, and he made you righteous. He he, what the Bible calls, he made you a saint. He restored you so you could boldly approach the throne of which no one else could. This is interesting. The true Sabbath rest is in Jesus because Hebrews 4.8. Now, I'm studying Hebrews 4.8 for our series after Easter. So I'm going to try to stop using these verses because it's like, I'm basically going to preach Hebrews before we get there. But man, oh man, what a great great uh, book of the Bible. Hebrews 4.8, he's making this case, the writer is making the case of like Moses, Jesus did what Moses couldn't do, although Moses was great. Jesus is above angels. Jesus brought something that no great figure could bring along. But then he goes here. He brings his parallel, Joshua. And Joshua and Jesus in the name similarly mean the same thing. it's, It's a God's presence in a way, right? God's deliverance, his salvation. And Joshua was bringing people to the promised land, which was a physical rest. But Jesus brings something much, much greater. And he says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of of another day later on, which was Christ. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. There's something greater than the physical part of rest. There's something greater we must realize and and lean into of the spiritual part of Sabbath and what Christ brought in our life. There's a peace that passes all understanding. There's something that goes beyond all difficulty. You know, and this is why I think this part's so important, because maybe your life can't change. Maybe you do work seven days a week. Maybe, maybe it just cannot change. There's people all over the world who cannot change their circumstances, and maybe you can't either. But you have a Sabbath rest that comes through Christ that brings a peace beyond all peace. Jesus is definitely rest. 
Do you know why we celebrate church on Sunday? Anybody? I didn't. I, I, I really didn't know for a while. And then I started to realize like, oh, wait, wait. You know, traditionally it was on Saturday, right? The Jewish Sabbath. And then over time, they began to celebrate, the early Christians began to celebrate Sunday. Now, sun, Sunday is actually technically the eighth day. But they celebrated that day because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's when life began for all of us. And so they picked that day, but ultimately in the calendar, it's the first day, right? So we begin our week with Sabbath. We don't end our week with Sabbath. Do you get where I'm going with this? We start our week in rest. We frame our entire week out from a rest position, a place of peace and people of peace as we go out into the world. We're not necessarily recovering We're beginning from Sabbath. And eventually it became that Sunday is the day called the Lord's Day. And so today is called the Lord's Day. All over the world, people are celebrating the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection, the day that we became new, the day that we actually came into rest, true rest, true peace, true life. And it's a rest from the impossible atonement works that you could never do or I could ever do to be good enough It's a rest from that. Christ fulfilled it all, did the labor, and is rested on that final day. Rest from sin from the past, and rest from sin from the present, and rest from sin from the future, to labor in that. It's a beautiful thing of what we do on Sunday, every Sunday, celebrating the very nature of God and honoring God. When we were worshiping up here, that's, that's Sabbath, you're experiencing Sabbath, and we, we have, we're doing this on the Lord's day. It's spiritual rest. It's unending rest, and that is what Jesus came, and he brought you. So what I'm trying to say this is that there's a physical part of Sabbath, but it's much, much more. What you experience, you experience every single day. But what we do today is a reminder as believers that we go out into this world in that peace. We go out into this world, rest in rest, to reach the world, to be a light into the world as people who experience peace beyond peace. So I have just one last thing, and I think we'll begin to wrap up. And it's in Romans uh, 14, and it answers this question of how should I Sabbath? Because what I didn't want to do, and I'm not going to lie, I wrote... I wrote a few versions of this message, and I just more and more I just felt like it, it, I would be undoing what we're, we're called to do on Sabbath. And that's like, well, if you want a Sabbath, like here's, here's some rules for you to Sabbath in. You know, it's so tempting for me to do it because it's so practical. And we're like, great, I'll do those rules, right? We do that. But Sabbath is so different than that. So I was very, very like, it's very hard for me not to say, here's some things we should do and here's how we should do it. But there is one thing I do want to let you know to encourage you is that there is a day, and I believe it's Sunday, and I believe it's the Lord's day to start our week that we choose to Sabbath. If I were you, I would do everything I could to participate in the Lord's day with your church community. That's not a pitch because I am like, we need more people. It really is something that we should do in our life. It sets our week right. It brings us into fellowship together. We are worshiping together as God's community. It's the Lord's day and we should give that to him.
Romans 14.5, how should I Sabbath? Paul says this, one person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his mind, in his own mind. The one who observes the day uh, observes it in honor to the Lord. And the one who eats, uh, eats in honor to the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks. Meaning this, it's like whether it's one day or it's all days, what we do is we, in those days, in those moments, we give honor and thanks to God and we fix it in our mind. That that is what we're going to dedicate that time to do. I was reading about this company in North Carolina. It's really interesting. It's a really big company. And they chose to do something interesting uh, because of the convictions about Sabbath. And they were, they were writing company policy based on this every day taking moments to Sabbath. And here's what they did. They didn't allow anyone to work past 6 p.m. And if you worked from home... You were not allowed at all, and internal communications of the company were not allowed to happen between 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock p.m., so you could Sabbath with your family and friends. You could rest and, and prioritize what is very important in your life. You could have dinner together, and you could be together. And then after 8 p.m., you could open up communications channels, and that's a policy driven completely by the conviction of Sabbath by that CEO. And we know the, the, the policy of Chick-fil-A, the most frustrating policy when you're hungry on Sunday and you want <laughs> Chick-fil-A. I remember one time just so stupidly saying, like, why, why don't they open? Because I pulled in, and I always forget Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday, literally still all the time. <laughs> and I pull in, and I'll be like, oh, Chick-fil-A. And, and it'll be like, don't they know how much money they're losing? Have you ever said that? <laughs> it's so wrong. What, what, what the founder <laughs> was doing was the biblical principle that was given in Exodus about resting your people. It, it's, it, it was so hard to do because everybody wants to make that extra day of money. And I, I respect it. I don't care what anybody else thinks about whatever other stuff of that company. I will say this. What that person did was unprecedented to say no to a lot of money and get more and more and more and said, no, I'm going to rest my people. And, he, and they stuck to it. And I think it's interesting because when you walk in Chick-fil-A, I'm not trying to promote Chick-fil-A whatsoever, <laughs> although I did put down In-N-Out not long ago, so I don't want you to know that there's not a difference. <laughs> it's just I don't really eat there very much anyways. But like... The, the difference is I noticed that even the culture feels a little bit different. Now, nothing against McDonald's, but I've been in a McDonald's on a Sunday and no one is happy. <laughs> they are overworked. And I think about like just even the little, these little changes physically that I'm sure he's trying to do for his people, but implementing a spiritual principle that, listen, you can get as much as you want, but you must rest. This is what God wants for his people. I don't know how you want a Sabbath. Maybe today... The Lord's Day is part of what you're doing right now is entering into Sabbath, right? And maybe throughout the day, you choose to do things differently. 
You choose not to labor in certain ways. You choose to focus on your relationships, the things that God's given you to steward, and you choose to enjoy those things and to give God honor and gratitude and thanks for, for, for who he is and, and, and what you have in your life. And that would be your Sabbath on a Sunday, which sets you straight on that right path for the week because you're anchoring yourself in the fact what we do every Sunday is that Jesus has come and he gave you rest, eternal rest, peace, beyond all circumstances. He is your Sabbath. Maybe that's what we do. Or throughout the week, I was asking my wife, like, hey, how do you, how do you rest? And she was like, ah, I got to really think about that. And she's like, how do you rest? And I, and I had to really think about that. And there are moments throughout the day, for me personally, where I know I have moments where I do Sabbath. I do Sabbath in study. I do Sabbath in um, just being able to sit in my, our family dinners for us. I don't know if you do family dinners. Very big deal for us. That's Sabbath for me. I enjoy and love my family of which I've been given and steward. It's a Sabbath. It's a rhythm we do not break. And then I have Sunday where I get to see all of you. And I get to be with other believers who've experienced true rest. And we get to glorify God. And we get to worship God. You get to. What Moses wouldn't have given to do, be right in your chair. And we get to do that. And then we get to sit and we celebrate our family and our friends. And we get to appreciate what God has done. And then God gives us rest. And then we start our mission in our week. I don't know how you choose the Sabbath. I don't have a ritual or, or, or certain uh, points for you. I just know that God has instituted it. He modeled it and his creation follows it. But then ultimately Christ has given it to us that we should experience all the time. Um, I'll start to close with this. Um, on Sundays, we want to engage in Sabbath. We want to engage in rest. It brings us together. We give thanks. We enjoy fellowship. We, we bring restoration to the world around us. We're called to serve. If Sunday's a day for you to serve someone else and bring restoration, serve. To reach out to someone, to bring someone to church as part of the restoration process. You're inviting someone in to experience the peace and rest that you have experienced ultimately in Christ. And I think Sunday does frame our week for that because resurrection framed our life. So we honor the Lord's day. We remember the Lord of the Sabbath beginning of every week and we rest so we can do his work. I want you to do this one thing. I'm going to have it on the screen. This is my one challenge to you. Since you took my prayer challenge so seriously, I appreciate it. <laughs> Rob, you, Rob uh, Frontier, you, you are a funny man. Uh, he goes to me this week. And he's like, hey, Ryan, I was really paying attention to the service. Now, sermon. Now, I was... I, I, Rob, you know this. I was not, I was like, okay, I'm not going to correct him because it's kind of weird if I correct him when he's so passionate about what he was telling me, but he was joking with me. And he's like, I really paid attention to your sermon. You said to pray for somebody once this week, right? And I did that. And I'm like, I, I said every day, Rob, it was the title of the message, right? And I was like, <laughs> I was like letting it go. And he did it again because he wants me to get the joke. And I'm like, but I didn't want to discourage him because that person that one time needed the prayer, Rob. So I didn't want to stop you. <laughs> but I, I, I appreciated it, but it, and it was really funny. And uh, the thing is, is like with Sabbath, like with prayer, 
When you engage in those principles, when you bring these disciplines to your life, you will see your life change in the lives around you. And I promise you that you will see the same thing when you Sabbath. First and foremost, when you realize what peace Christ gave to you and that he is the Lord of the Sabbath and is your Sabbath, no matter your circumstance. But the second is carving the time out so you can engage in creation's work-rest rhythm for you that God created. So I want you to do that. It's an opportunity of gratitude, perspective, and rest. And that's what you experience. When I sat outside in that desert, I looked at these mountains. It was really quiet. But all I thought was gratitude. Gratitude for the guys that were out there. Gratitude that I'm a part of this church. I'll be honest with you. Gratitude for my family. Gratitude for what God's creation is. That's Sabbath. That's how we do it. We're going to close with communion. And communion is one of these things that's a little bit like Sabbath. We choose to come here. I know you're not going to fill up here, right? Our communion's open, but uh, Chick-fil-A is not. But so it's here, so, so you know. But we choose to engage in this practice. Why do we participate in communion? It's not just some dumb ritual. Just like Sabbath, it's not a dumb ritual, right? This is, has high importance for a remembrance. Why did God tell the Israelites to remember the Sabbath? Just like this, we remember what Christ did on the cross. We remember that he gave his life as the sacrifice of which no one before trying to keep the law could do, and Christ came and did. And we remember the blood that purified our lives to be able to stand boldly before God. It's why we can call out or we can feel his presence in our life and why we will be with God for eternity. That's what this moment does. And the best thing, too, is that as we as a community, that's why we do this as a church, we come together to take communion because all of us need this in our life. It's our spiritual food. All of us are the same. Everyone around us in this church, myself, Chad, all of us here, we're all exactly the same in need of the work of the cross. And so in the moment when we take communion, I want to encourage you, while the uh, music begins to play, feel free any time to come up, take your communion, go back to your seat, and just have that intimate time with God and appreciation for what he has done in your life. But when you leave today, I want you to take this week in Sabbath. And I want you to come back next week and say something to me. <laughs> I would love to hear a testimony, a story of what you experienced in that and what God has done in your life through that. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the discipline of Sabbath. God, we thank you for your work. And we thank you for your rest, rhythm that you've showed us. And God, I thank you that we can rest in Christ, God, but we can rest in this physical life too of which you've given us for balance. And God, I ask that each one of us here, we walk out and we look at Sabbath maybe a little different, not just physical, but spiritual, what you're doing. And we get to experience that with you. And so God, I ask that during these times of this taking time and prioritizing a rest, a ceasing of work and to engage in the things of life that you've given us and to steward those so well. I ask that something deeply and profoundly happens in our soul as well and in our spirit.
We love you. We thank you. We thank you as we take communion. We celebrate the work on the cross. We celebrate that we are all those who just are in desperate need of the work of the cross. And that we are gratefully brought into the presence of you, God, because of the work of Jesus. And that the work was done for us so we could experience rest in your presence of what you promise. So we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this last song?